that's okay. That's okay. okay. Well, it's good to be here once again. And it's it's okay. It's it's the best church in the world to to um, just just be yourself. So, if we go to Ephesians, because Ephesians chapter one, you know, um, a lot of times we. And the title of the message today is The Blood of Christ. The Blood of Christ. A lot of times, though, we sing about it. We sing, nothing but the blood of Jesus Christ. How precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. And we sing about, there's a fountain filled with Emmanuel's blood. But we don't fully understand it. Because you can sing about it, but not necessarily understand it. And I want to talk a little bit about that today. Because the blood of Jesus Christ is precious. And the blood of Jesus Christ. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 1, and verse 7. The Bible says this. In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace. The blood of Jesus Christ. See, right throughout the, the Bible... You've got the blood. And it's, 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 we call it the living book because it is a living book. And it's, it's the blood that makes it living. Let me give you an introduction. One of the most essential doctrines of the Bible is that of the blood. When you take away the blood, you don't have a Bible. It is the blood that makes atonement for sin. It is, the word blood occurs 447 times, 357 verses in the Bible. That's a lot of verses. The blood doctrine is the very heart core of the Bible. It is the foundation of our Christian faith. If you would take the blood out of the human body, you would have nothing left but a lump of clay. The Bible says in Leviticus 17, if you go there to Leviticus 17, verse 11, The Bible says, For the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement for your souls. For it is the blood that make an atonement for the soul. So it's the blood. Uh, 1799, George Washington was woke up one morning and he had a sore throat. And by mid-afternoon, his throat had developed into... It had inflamed. And Mrs. Washington got worried and said, you need to call the doctors and see what we can, if uh, you're okay. So they called the doctors, the best doctors, and they called blood letter, a blood letter as well. And what a blood letter would do is drain the blood. Because that's, that's what they told, would get rid of the inflamed throat. And by, unfortunately, by the, the end of that day, George Washington was dead. They drained 40% of his blood, 80 ounces of his blood. Now, the human body is 200 ounces of blood. So 40% of that would be 80 ounces. So they drained the blood, and they thought that was the way of saving him, but that was the way that he was to die. See, the human body, without the blood, is but a lump of clay. And listen, if you take the blood out of the Bible, you have a Bible that is, has no life-giving properties. It has no life-giving properties. That's why in the newer versions, there's an attack on the blood. It's the blood that's being attacked. 
And listen, this book is a living book. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews, all the way in the New Testament. Hebrews chapter 4. The Bible says in verse 12, For the word of God is quick, that means alive and powerful, sharper than a two-edged sword, piercing, dividing asunder of the soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is discerning of the thoughts and intents of the heart. See, it's a living book. And the reason why it's living is because that blood, that precious blood of Jesus Christ is is cover, covering his holy words. Let me show you four things about the blood today. Four things. Before we get into that, let's pray. Father God, would you help us this day? Would you help us to be able to just emphasize what I believe is one of the most important doctrines of the Bible, the blood of Jesus Christ. So would you help us this day? And we thank you for being so good. And we ask this in Jesus' lovely name. Amen. First thing I want to say it is, is that it is precious. The blood of Jesus Christ is precious. If you go to First uh, Peter, to the right, First Peter, chapter 1, and verse 19. The Bible says, actually verse 18, for, for as much as ye know that we are not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and of gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without blemish and without spot. The precious blood of Jesus Christ you've been redeemed with. That blood is precious. There's something about the blood of Christ that needs to be emphasized over and over again, especially in the generation we're living in. Because all the modern Christianity, all the modern hymns, all the modern songs, they, they, uh, they're weakened doctrine. They're weakened doctrine. It's not just the debt of Christ was paid on the cross, it is the shedding of his blood that was shed for all mankind. Amen? It's the blood that has to be emphasized once more. It's why we stick to the old hymns. You know, these hymns are rich in the blood. I mean, when you sing songs like nothing but the blood of Jesus Christ, there's power in the blood. Do you believe there's power in the blood? When you sing songs like uh, there, there's a fountain filled with Emmanuel's blood, all those precious songs in the old hymns. When you look at the new stuff, look at the new songs uh, you hear on the radio and stuff, it's all about Jesus loves me, but there's no, there's no doctrine there. There's no doctrine. What I'm just trying to say is uh, we're... we're in modern-day Christianity, it's the old hymns that keep us uh, believing in the in the right stuff. That's why we hold to an old Bible, amen? If I just show you one example, in Colossians, in the book of Colossians, and this is just one example of many, but in Colossians chapter 1, in verse 14, the uh, the newer versions will read this way. And the most important part of that verse uh, Colossians chapter 1, verse 14, the most important part of that verse is true, his blood. But the newer versions will read, in whom we have redemption, even the forgiveness of sins. They've left out true, his blood. The whole, the whole purpose of that Bible being written is so, is so that we would know the, the clarity of salvation. And it's his death, but it's also the blood of Jesus Christ. That's why we follow the old paths, amen? If you go to Jeremiah, 
Jeremiah. You know, it's amazing. Um, it seems that modern... I remember we had a washing machine when, when I was a kid. And this thing, you know, uh, this thing went forever. I mean, we, we put this big... This, this washing machine would spin. We put this big stone on top of it so it wouldn't bounce around the place. You know those kind of washing machines? But this washing machine lasted forever. But you know, modern appliances, they don't last, do they? Six, seven years, you have to get a new one. In the same way, it's the same kind of way when it comes to the old paths. In Jeremiah chapter 6, and the Bible says in verse 16, the Bible says, Thus saith the Lord, stand ye in the ways, and see and ask for the old paths, where the good way, and walk therein, and ye shall find rest for your souls. But they said, we will not walk therein. The old paths. A lot of times the old ways are better, amen? The old hymns, the old book, amen? The old King James Bible you hold in your hands. The old stuff. Don't be, uh, you know, the, the newer stuff might look good. You know, it might look nice and fancy, but it has no doctrine. No doctrine whatsoever. It is true right throughout the Bible, Old and New Testament. From the Old, the first mention of the blood is in Genesis chapter 4. Genesis chapter 4 is the first mention of the blood. And it shows us the importance of it from, from the first moment. Genesis 4 and verse 10, the Bible says, And he said, what hast thou done? The vice of thy brother's blood cries unto me from the ground. See, it's the blood. The importance of it is, is mentioned in the very first mention of the of of uh, the Bible, and then in Genesis chapter nine, dealing with dealing with life being taken, and if someone sheds your, if someone takes a life, their life should be taken, all because of the emphasis of the image of God. But in Genesis 9, verse 6, Whoso sheddeth man's blood, by man shall his blood be shed. For the image of God made he man. So it's, it's right from the bat, it's, it's, it's all there. Then from the New Testament, you got verses like Hebrews chapter 9. Hebrews chapter 9. All the way in the New Testament. In Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 9, and the Bible says in verse 7, But unto the second went the high priest alone once every year, not without blood, which he offered for himself and for the errors of the people. So the pattern in the Old Testament was the priest, the high priest, would go into the holy place and then go into the holy of holies, but not without the blood. The blood was the key. Listen, when you come to Jesus Christ... When you come to him in prayer, you need to plead the blood and say, Lord, whatever, wherever things are going on, uh, the, the entrance in there is bringing the blood. In, also in John, chapter 1 in the Gospel of John, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. John chapter 1, verse 29. When John the Baptist sees Jesus come to him, and he says, the next day John sees Jesus coming unto him, 
and said, Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. The Lamb of God. The perfect sacrifice had arrived. And the sacrifice that would take away the sins of the world. And then also in the book of Acts, over to the right, Acts chapter 20, it's important to realize that we're living in this thing called, it's important to realize that we're living in this thing called the church age. The church age began at Pentecost. And one day it's going to end, probably pretty soon. And the apostle Paul and Paul warned people and tried to say to them, in Acts chapter 20, in verse 28, he's speaking to a bunch of elders. And he says, Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over which the Holy Ghost had made, made you overseas, to feed the church of God, which he had purchased with his own blood. He purchased us with his own blood. Precious, precious blood. And listen, you know, you might have problems in, you know, you might have problems as, as a church, we're a family. And there's been times in my life where I've had disagreements with people. But you know what? As Christians, we're supposed to work things out. Because you are purchased, I am purchased with his precious blood. We're family, amen? We're family. In the New Testament, it is precious today as it was back then. The blood doesn't lose its preciousness. Let me give you another one. It purchased our salvation. All the way to Hebrews chapter 9. It purchased our salvation. Aren't you glad that salvation was purchased? It was a one-time event. And it was a purchase of the sinner. And he paid the price. It purchased our salvation. In Hebrews chapter... The Bible says in... Hebrews chapter 9. I want you to see in verse 12 there, we're not going to read the whole thing, but in verse 12 it says, Neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. For if the blood of bulls and goats and of ashes and heifers, sprinkling and clean, sanctified by the puring, purifying of the flesh. How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit, offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. And it goes on in verse 16, it says, For where a testament is, there must be necessity the death of the testator. But in order for Jesus to pay to, to pay for the sins of this world, his blood had to be shed. He had to die on the cross, but his blood had to be shed. And that's why the Bible says, we're now living in the New Testament. Amen? We're living in the New Testament. You know, when the book of Matthew was being written, they were still in the Old Testament. But the, when Jesus died on the cross, shed his blood on the cross, it was the New Testament. He said, it is finished. Amen? It is finished. It purchased our salvation. Mankind's sins were purchased by this one single event. That was the purpose Jesus came to this world. Amen? It says over there in John chapter 12, it says in John chapter 12 and in verse 27, it says, Now, as Jesus is praying before the cross, 
He says, now is my soul troubled. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this cause came I unto this hour. The purpose of Jesus coming to this earth was to die on the cross for the sins of the, this world. And he purchased it with his blood. His blood. There's a reason that you can say, and you can say with confidence, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. These things were written unto you that you may know that you have eternal life. Oh, what a precious promise it is to realize of what Jesus did for us. I mean, do you ever, can you ever get your head around the free gift of salvation? I mean, can you ever just ponder that for a second? You, all, you, you, you would be mad to understand salvation, the gospel, and not get saved. You would be a head case. Because salvation is free. It's free for everything. It didn't come free, though. It cost Jesus his life. It cost him his precious blood. Let me show you 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians, one of my favorite verses in chapter 8. Notice the trade here, the trade. 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 9. It says this, For ye know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, rich for your sakes became poor, that he through his poverty might be rich. What a trade. The just for the unjust. Jesus died on the cross, suffered the most horrible death, shed his blood for the likes of you and me. What a trace. It is the means by which we can approach God. The old covenant. Hebrews talks about the old covenant. And then there's a new covenant. Romans where we're justified by faith through grace alone. There's no, other, there's no strings attached. Amen? No strings attached. It redeemed mankind from all sin. Every vile act. Let me show you 1 Corinthians. You know, you think of all the sin of this world. You think what God sees on a daily basis. You see how God looks down and sees the wickedness of man, and yet he still loves and he still wants people saved. Amen? What great long-suffering that he loves this world so much. And this world spits on God, turns our back on God, mocks God, scoffs at God, and God still loves them. Amen? What an amazing, amazing Savior. And 1 Corinthians talks about, in verse, chapter 6, and verse 9 it says, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? But be not deceived, nor fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminates, nor abusers of themselves with mankind. Now that's homosexuality. And you know what? The Bible says in verse 10, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. And then it says, and such were some of you, but ye are washed. Amen? You're washed. Washed in the precious blood of Jesus Christ. What a, what a gift. And though over in Revelation as well, Revelation, Revelation chapter 1, The Bible says in verse 5, And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, and the first begotten of the dead, and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. You see that? You see it's personal? It's personal, isn't it? It's something that you've got to understand. The blood is precious. It is real. And it, listen, it... it Every vile sin that was ever committed in this world, every imagination of men's hearts, Jesus paid for, amen? 
And there's no sin, there's no, there's no vileness of sin out there that Jesus' blood didn't cover. Amen? Every perversion in man. And listen, the Bible says over in Ecclesiastes, there's nothing new under the sun. Amen? There's nothing, there's nothing that, there's nothing that surprises God because God knows that the heart of man is deceitful above all and desperately wicked. Who can know it? God knows it. Amen? Provide salvation free to all mankind. Uh, we are bought with a price. Let me show you 1 Corinthians now. 1 Corinthians. Aren't you glad that you're bought with a price? But you know what? With, uh, with a gift such as salvation, being purchased with such a high price, there's a responsibility. And 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 19 says, Paul says, What know we not? that your body is a temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, you are not your own. You are not your own. Uh, for ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. You know, you're, you're never really free. You, you're either serving yourself or the devil, or yourself, you're, you're, you're serving Christ. There's no such thing as being a free spirit. So you got to decide who are you going to follow. Who are you going to follow? You're going to follow, going to follow your own self. It'll always lead into sin. You're bought with a price, a price paid for His precious blood. You're brought, you're brought nigh by the blood. Let me show you Ephesians chapter two. Ephesians chapter two. You're in Corinthians, go Galatians and Ephesians. Bible says in verse 2, verse 12, the Bible says that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenant of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, ye ye who sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. You're you're brought nigh by the blood of Jesus Christ. Because it's the blood... It's the blood that does the work. It protects. It protects. Let me show you Exodus chapter 12. It protects. The blood is precious. The blood paid the price of our salvation. And the blood protects. You know, it's easy to sing about the blood, but it's another thing to understand the power of the blood. Exodus chapter 12 and verse 13, the Bible says this, when the children of Israel were coming out of Egypt, they had this thing called the Passover. And the Passover, the Bible says in verse 13, and the blood shall be to you to be a token upon the houses where ye are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. Talking about... God's protection over the land where the, uh, the, 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 the Jews were rather than the Egyptians. Most believers have no idea of the power of the blood. They have no idea. You know, because you can get so familiar and yet not understand it. Old-time Christianity would plead the blood over a particular situation, uh, over their dwelling places. You know, when you, when, I hope when you put your kids to bed at night, I hope you plead over. I hope that you would, you would say, to, or you would 
cover your dwelling place with his precious blood. You know, God honors his, uh, honors a prayer where you say, Lord, protect our house. You know, you have all types of security today. You have, you know, uh, different things and you, all that stuff. But you know, a simple prayer is worth more than all the security out there. Just to pray, Lord, cover us with your precious blood over their children, over the he- their heavy trials. Just the protection. You know, when you've prayed over it, when you've done all that you can, why not just plead the blood over it? Amen? And you, you will see God move in a way that you wouldn't realize. God is, you know, God can take a hopeless situation and He can just, once it's put under the blood, there's something about it that you can't put your finger on it, but there's something that God does. He takes care of the situation. Because the blood that was able to save you is also able to sustain you. It really is. No matter how deep the valley, you know, we, we talk about the valley, well, Jesus is the lily of the valley, amen? He's the lily of the valley. No matter how hopeless it all seems, God is faithful. Is our peace with God. Let me show you Colossians, the last one. Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1. Bible says in Colossians chapter 1 and in verse 19, the Bible says, For it pleased the Father that in him should all the fullness dwell, and having made peace through the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile all things unto himself. By him, I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven. The reason we have peace with God is, is because of the blood. Amen? Peace with God. is the reason that believers can have peace with God, a peace that comes from the Prince of Peace. Amen? You know, it makes sense. Over in Isaiah chapter 9, one, one, uh, one of the greatest verses in, of prophecy deals with Jesus being the Prince of Peace. And in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful. Counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Jesus is the Prince of Peace, but not like the peace this world knows. This peace this world knows is temporal. Temporal. You know, a a peace that when everybody, if I also show you 1 Thessalonians, First Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 3, the Bible says, dealing with the times of the end, it says actually in verse 2, For yourselves know perfectly the day of the Lord so come as a thief in the night. For when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction come upon, come upon them as prevail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. See, they'll say peace and safety, but there is no peace. But listen, let me tell you something. There's peace, the peace of God that is available to us. Peace in the midst of a storm. You know, the Bible doesn't say that you'll not go through the storms. You will go through storms. You go through trials and valleys. And honestly, uh, being saved doesn't save you from your trials, but allows you to go through them. 
Amen? And in John, the Gospel of John, chapter 16, Jesus says this. It says in John, chapter 16, verse 33, These things have I spoken unto you, that in me ye might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation. But be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. Jesus has overcome the world. And he will give you the peace of God in the midst of going through that trial. That, go, that valley, that, that, that discomfort that you go through. Jesus will give you the peace of God in your heart and life. And it's wonderful. A peace that passes all understanding. Let me show you Philippians. Philippians. I hope, I hope you know, I hope you've marked this verse and you've, you've held to this promise because it is true. This is a precious promise from God's words in Philippians chapter 4 or chapter 4 verse 6 the Bible says uh, in, in verse 5 it says this let your moderation be known to all men the Lord is at hand be careful for nothing that means don't be full of care for anything careful be, uh, be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your requests be made known unto God and the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. The peace of God. A peace that you cannot understand. Something that you can't put your finger on. And listen, there's been times where I, when I've been at my wit's end, and I, I just realized people are praying for me. I can't explain it. Sometimes when, when the rug is pulled out from underneath you, times when things go... South, <laughs> and, and it often happens in the ministry, things just, relationships break up, and you feel like crawling into a, crawling into a, a, a room and locking the door and just staying there. But you know, the peace of God just comes upon you. And you know, you realize people are praying for you, amen? And there's peace, there's peace that you cannot understand that allows you to keep going. All because of the blood, the blood being shed for you. It is our propitiation. That means full payment. Let's all look over there First John. It is our propitiation. You know, since, uh, since I follow the King James Bible, you know, there's some big words. Propitiation is one. But you know what? There's only a few of them. So don't, don't think that, you know, uh, the King James Bible is too complicated. It's not. It is, it is a, a lot lower level than we think. And it's perfect English, amen? Perfect English. Uh, but in... In 1 John, chapter 2, the Bible says, in verse 2, it says, And He is the propitiation for our sins, and not for our sins only, but also for the sins of the whole world. The propitiation. Full payment. True His love. It says over there, in First John also in verse 7, it says, But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his Son, cleanses us from all sin. The blood. The blood is right throughout there. It is precious. Precious. It is our fellowship. Amen? It is how we draw nigh to God. Let me show you James. James, another scripture. I hope I'm not turning to too many scriptures. Maybe I am, I'm not sure. But James chapter 4 and verse 8, the Bible says, Draw nigh to God, and He will draw nigh to you. 
Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your, your hearts, ye double-minded. Listen, how do you cleanse your hands? You cleanse them, you cleanse them by the blood. Amen? You allow the blood of Jesus Christ to cleanse you, to be brought back into that fellowship once more. The blood of Jesus Christ. There's no other way. There's no other way but the blood. It's not in religion. Amen? Have you, have you discovered that yet? It's not in religion. It's in a person named Jesus Christ. It's the blood of Jesus Christ that was shed for you for that one purpose. It's not in good works. It comes only through the blood. And listen, all those hymnals are full. And if even if you look at it, we even sang that song, Jesus paid, paid it all, and the blood comes in there. Amen? I mean, so many hymnals that don't even have the title blood, yet they cover the doctrine of the blood right throughout the pages of Scripture. Let me give you a conclusion. The core foundation of this Bible is that of the blood. It really is. It's that of the blood. Uh, there is no salvation without the shedding of it. There's no salvation. It's, listen, it's, the Bible come, becomes a dead book when we omit the blood. That's why all those other versions of Scripture, you got to be careful because they take out the blood. The blood is taken out right throughout. And it's done in a very subtle way. It's very, very underhanded way. But you'll find that many of the verses that talk about the blood are missing from the newer versions. Old time Christians believe in the blood, and we should too. Listen, you know, there's certain times where you're faced with a situation and you just plead the blood over it. Plead the blood. If you can imagine, you take that situation in your mind's eye that maybe is hindering your walk with the Lord. Maybe some sin. Maybe something or some trial that's heavy on your heart. If you can imagine, if you can imagine at the cross, there was this massive bass full of blood. And you take your problem, you take your, 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 your thing that's hindering you in your Christian life, and you put it under the blood. You put it under the blood. And it's the blood that makes the difference. Amen? Old-time Christianity. Because the blood makes atonement for our sins. It saved you. It's able to sustain you. It is it's Jesus Christ who is faithful. The sacrifice of Jesus on the cross was not sufficient in of itself. He had to shed his blood. You see that? And it is an amazing thing to realize that the sacrifice of that blood, when he said, it is finished, it is precious. It is precious beyond measure. Uh, you think of human blood, uh, just how it sustains us, it keeps us. The life of the flesh is in the blood. What about the precious blood of God's own only Son? It was God's blood shed for us on the cross of Calvary. It purchased our salvation. Amen? It purchased our salvation. It protects us from all harm if we allow it. It is the peace of God. It is our peace with God. The reason we can have peace with God the reason I can walk with God today and the reason I can keep walking with God is because of the blood of Jesus Christ. It allows me to uh, cleanse me daily if I ask for it. The yielding of, of my spirit is the blood. It is still as powerful today as it was back then. Amen? It's still as powerful. It hasn't lost one ounce of its strength. Amen? The power is in the blood. The power is in the blood. You know, we live in a generation. We live in a, a, a Christian era where I believe we're in the last days. A lot of times the old, precious, foundational doctrines of the Bible are being lost because the newer generation doesn't understand them. 
They, they sing about them, but we don't necessarily understand them. You have to go back to the old generation where they understood the power that was in the blood. Amen. Let's stand, please. Father, I thank you so much for being so good for us this day. And I pray that you help us, Lord. I pray that you would show us, Lord, that you're able. Lord, I pray that you would um, help us to believe you and believe that there's power in the blood once more and that, Lord, you can, you, you, we can take situations that are way beyond our control and we can bathe them in the blood. And Lord, I don't know, I don't understand how this works, but I know your word is faithful. Old and New Testament, and I know you're faithful. So I pray you help us this day to believe that there's power in the blood. Precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. Would you help us today to just really understand and take this doctrine seriously and to walk with you throughout the week realizing that there's, there's precious, precious power in your word and in, in the blood of Jesus Christ. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.